you to go back to that in just a minute. You can be seated if you need to to be comfortable. You're sure welcome to keep standing. And I want you to just go through a little bit of something with me here this morning. I want you to be aware. I, I'll go ahead and put this up on the overhead so you can see it. Numbers chapter 6, 24, 25, 26. <clears throat> the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. The organized church has used that for a benediction for a long time. It's not that. It's a declaration of what is real. Remember the teaching that when, when you get blessing down to the very bottom of what it is, it's God saying, I'll come to your level and release what I have on you. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine on you. Let's give you a quick illustration of what that looks like. You, I hope... Nathan and Kayla, you'll have to tell me if I'm embarrassing you with some of these references, and I'll quit, maybe. But when you talk to them about the baby that's coming, you want to see a face shine. Just talk to them about that child that's come. God's saying, I'll bless you. I'll come to your level, and I'll cause what I am to shine upon you. My countenance, when, when I look at you, I'll be smiling and I'll be glowing. Think about that for a moment. He says in the New Testament that He's our friend. He says that He loves us. He says He never leaves us. And all the way back in the Old Testament, He's saying, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine on you. He's going to cause His countenance to be directed at you. Now if that's the case, what might He do for you? Again, I'll use Nathan and Kayla for, a, for an example. When that baby comes and even before that baby comes, there's not anything in the world they won't do to make sure that baby's okay. Because they've worked with God to create that baby. You're God's creation. I submit to you there's nothing He won't do to see that you're okay. I would also say to you that the entire story of Scripture is God's story. And He wants you to see it because He wants you to see how far He will go to make sure you're okay. He couldn't help but if people made choices that took them out away from His blessing. He gave them the right to do that. If they do that, He couldn't help what comes to them because of that. But He wants to bless you. He wants to do something in you. Let's sing this a couple more times. Just roll through it here. But from that point, from that standpoint, that God is causing His face to shine on you. He's changing his whole countenance as he looks at you. pray like that and mean it. God, you're the reason that I'm alive. 
certainly the reason I came here on this cold morning. God, help us to not make that reason any different. Help us not to focus on some physical aspect of healing, but to focus on the presence of the healer and to know that you're here. And Lord, your countenance is lifted up upon us. Your, 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 your love, God, is directed toward us. Lord, it's always been your plan. Always been your plan. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Several things I want to do just in beginning here. I, I just want to shift your thinking. We're going to have one testimony of healing here this morning. And then we're going to, we're going to have some people stand in for other people and pray for them. Next Sunday, we'll have a couple more testimonies of healing. And then on that Sunday, not this Sunday, but next Sunday... Some of the team will lay hands on anybody that wants to be prayed for. Anybody. For anything. Sometimes <clears throat> there's a season where God just begins to heal. And he's always the healer. But there are some seasons where he begins to do some instantaneous works. And I believe we're right on the border of one of those seasons if we're not already there. <clears throat> but let me, let me direct your thinking for a few moments. Think about salvation. And ask yourself this question. When, when I knew that I was saved, was I immediately perfect in behavior? Does anybody, can anybody raise their hand and say, oh, I was. I'm, I mean, I got saved, and from that point on, I've been perfect. You're right. Whoever said that, nobody's perfect. Now think about this for a moment. In Isaiah 53 and several times in the New Testament, God puts salvation and healing all in the same package. Saved, delivered, and healed. And I would submit to you that many times that healing is the same process. As salvation. That you get the sense of God's presence and the fact that He's done something. And from that point on, you become workers together with Him to hear Him, put it in motion. Hear Him, put it in motion. Hear Him, put it in motion. Think of... <clears throat> this is an illustration that I love out of the New Testament, but... Jesus is in this house and people are gathered around him so much his reputation is always already through through the roof really in this story yeah they bring a sick man to him and they can't get in they climb on the roof and I've seen illustrations where people would take a handsaw and cut through a roof. We might do that, but that's not what they've done. They would just remove tiles. And they put the sick man down through the roof in front of Jesus. Several things I want you to see there. It wasn't the sick man's faith. It was the faith of his friends. And before I go on, I just want to say that I submit to you one of the reasons we haven't seen the extent of healing that we want to see is because the church don't engage. I'll, just let, I'll let God talk to you about that. But here's what I want you to see. When Jesus looked at this man, he said, your sins be forgiven you. You see the connection? Because the next thing he said was, go ahead and roll up your bed and... Go on, get out of here. You're well. Your sins are forgiven you. And in that same time, healing touched him and he was well. Connected. If you're saved, in that salvation is deliverance and healing. Deliverance from addictions. And LaRoyce and I have done some talking about that just briefly. And then I've talked with several people since then about some of the things you were saying. 
we like to, we, you know, we have the big four or whatever for addictions, and we like to point at those. But what about being addicted to acting like a jerk? She gets some kind of a buzz treating other people badly. What about being addicted to behavior that causes sickness and illness and you know it and you just keep doing it? And that's enough. That's not what I'm going to be focusing on this morning. But understand that. That there's deliverance from that. Like Mike was talking, the sea will part and let you walk right through it. Now, the religious didn't like it because Jesus said your sins are forgiven you. Hmm. But it didn't matter. It was truth. And the man got up and walked away. Operating first because he responded to the Word of God, but the, probably the start of it all was those friends saying, this man has something. We're going to get him to Jesus. I would challenge you next week to get some sick folk here where they can meet Jesus. I'm not Jesus. You're not Jesus. But through us, we'll introduce them to some things that Jesus would like to do for them. I'm I'm really taking, uh, when I say take my time, I'm not going to take a long time this morning, but I'm taking my time as I move through this because there's so much I want to say. And I, I want you to, to get it. The next place I'm going to go is, is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want you to look at this. Having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus. And will present us with you. Let's take that for a moment. I, if you go back to the original phraseology on that, it's an astounding thing. That when God raises you up, he grants that you have a circle of relationship. And he's saying, if you'll acknowledge what I'm doing, and you, I'll raise them up too. I'll, I'll touch them and draw them and raise them because of you. For all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Paul emphasizing here, be careful and don't look at what's happening on the outside in the material world but be very aware of what's going on on the inside one of the definitions of a materialist is that you're constantly aware and affected by material that's a part of materialism or being a materialist God wants us to be spiritual people that we are aware of something deeper than that let's go on For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comprehension. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, my goal in this particular service is to get you thinking differently this week and when we come back together next week that you will come out of a thought process that will cause you to be in anticipation of what God might do in that service because we would bring people to him now I want to talk to you just a couple of minutes here about the nature of faith faith is anchored in the unseen That that we sense is available in God's realm. That's where our faith is anchored. You can't have strong, stable faith anywhere else. Faith is not learned. 
Faith is cultivated through relationship with God, hear me now, and one another. There's been a lot of... I, the only way I know to say it, very powerful men and women that have walked in a personal relationship with God demonstrating the power, yet their personal lives were a shambles. That's so contradictory in my mind. But the thing is, they had learned to work with the connection with God in a way that they could reach into what was not seen, lay hold of it, and pull it into that which was seen, but they never applied it to their personal lives. What is it that forces us to apply it to our personal lives? Relationship with one another. I must be accountable. If, if I want to see the power of God on a large scale, then I've got to be accountable on a large scale. I've got to get away from the idea that someday I'm going to fast enough. Someday I'm going to pray enough. Someday I'm going to be able to quote enough scriptures that the power of God's going to break forth and people are going to see signs and wonders and miracles because of me. Do you realize that Jesus... Man, I'm going, to, I'm going to get into some deep theological waters here, but I'm going. Dive in with me. Jesus was the manifestation of the Godhead in, in human form. Yet he never, ever demonstrated as himself, he never demonstrated power until he fulfilled what God had told him to do and became connected with, with natural men. Father done some stuff. But that's not who we are. We're manifesting the Spirit of God is what we do. And only as we do it together can we see the fullness of the power of God on display on the earth. I can't stand off and say, I just don't like the way that guy operates, so that must not be God. I, I won't name a name, but there is a man right now that still operates in extreme manifestation of the power of God. And about three-quarters of the church world is trying to hatchet him completely. I'm telling you, that's God. And I'm not going to touch him. That's between him and God. Whatever his personal life looks like, that's between him and God. He is demonstrating God. Why? Because the enemy never does good. When you see healing, deliverance, and that kind of thing, God's in it, not the devil. <clears throat> now... Faith is anchored in the unseen as we sense what he is saying and move with it together, all of us together. You see, we're his body. We're his expression on earth. Now, out of those two statements, I want you to realize something that Paul said. He said, when I am faithless, he remains faithful Stay with me here. Are we his body? That means that when you are struggling with faith to reach something in God, that there should be a church around you, a body around you that remains faithful. He is we. I know that's not good English, but I, I hope I'm getting the point across. He lives in us. And we are to be his demonstration on earth. But I can't be his body because we are his body. I can't completely contain his spirit because his spirit indwells us. So, <clears throat> let's go to Luke chapter 4. Let's stop for just a moment. I want you to just sense the presence of God that's here right now. Not because of me, but because you became aware and responded to Him. He was always here. But at some point, you became aware and the atmosphere in this building changed. That's how you build an atmosphere 
for the Spirit of God to work miracles and signs and wonders. It's not, not that he just shows up. I know we use that terminology sometimes, but he's always here. He's in you. He comes to you. He works in you. He works out from you always. Unless you shut him down. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus speaking. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. No doubt I'll do more with this next week, but I want you to see something. Here's this man. And because he wasn't acting like the religious world thought he should act, they had largely rejected him. But here's this man. He walks into the temple. He's not even supposed to. It's supposed to be the rabbis that are reading. He takes it and he reads. And he says, this day, this has been fulfilled. And then tradition has it that they kept a chair vacant saying that, in all these temples that one day the Messiah would show up and he would sit in that chair. And he sat in that chair. A man. Claiming to be more than just a man because he was. He opened the book. He read. He closed the book and sat down. And basically to the religious folks he said, now deal with it. Because I've been sent from God. And folks, I'm telling you, that attitude is starting to rise up in me more and more as I realize that the American church has made all kinds of adjustments trying to be acceptable. We live as the in the acceptable year of the Lord, but to people that don't know Him, we're not acceptable. And I love, I, I just love Jesus' attitude. I, as I go through there, I, I realize that this attitude that I sometimes carry is not all wrong. Because sometimes I want to say, you just deal with it. Because the Spirit of God is on me. And we're going to do some things. I like what David Hogan said. He he was confronted by the Mexican army down in southern Mexico. They were trying to catch him to take him out of the country. It's one man. He's not a little man, but one man. He stood there and he said, you've heard me preach that the Spirit of God comes on me. I want to know what you think. If he does come on me, just what's going to happen because I'm walking through you. And he walked through them and went and held services in the village he was going to. And they just backed off because they had seen the Spirit of God come on him. And they didn't want any part of that in opposition. Folks, I believe we're going to see more and more people living like that. But I believe it's going to be a people living like that, not a person. Not just one. Jesus came so that we might live like that. Jesus lived his life empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he emptied himself of his right as God. The Bible says it. We've got to deal with that. And here's what I would suggest to you, unless you're willing to look at Jesus and see him as a man, just like flesh and blood, just like you, empowered by the Holy Spirit, unless you're willing to see that, you'll never reach your potential. Because he turned around and told the disciples, just as my father sent me, so I'm sending you. To the North Dakota team that that we're taking, I want you to hear this because this is the attitude, before we get to that time, this is the attitude that I want to see developed in you. Not an arrogant attitude, but we're going in there to change something. We're not going in there to be touched by them and have them change us. Uh Uh-uh. We're going in there to change something. We're going to be able to reach into the realm of the Spirit and lay hold of something and pull it into the natural. Hmm. It's kind of sobering, is it not? God, Elohim, the all-powerful one, Yahweh, the God that's always involved with men who has by his choice become our father, is capable of all things in the lives of men, all things. Your healing is not a problem with God. He's well able and willing. 
But he chooses to use people who have a transformed mind. People who, they understand all of the reasons why not and do not deny them. But they know that there is a superior reason that is for the transformed mind. And that is, I'm not going to embrace why not. I do understand that. But I'm not going to embrace that because I believe that God is what he said he is, the healer. I believe that he's the deliverer. I believe that he's the God that meets us in the midst of our battle. I believe he's the God that is, is the gardener that, that has always got his hands on mankind. I believe it because he said it. And that brings a superior reality to my mind, which is a renewed mind. I hear people all the time given all kinds of reasons why something can't happen. Well, I do understand all of that, except I choose to believe differently because God gave me a book where he talked about himself and his story and what he would do through mankind. Do you realize that it's, it's not so much the story of what he does for mankind, it's what he'll do through mankind. And if we'll just begin to understand some of those little bitty principles, it'll change everything for us. Now, let's go on from there and talk about this anointing. You know, God knows our weakness. And I love what Paul said. He says, in those places where I'm weak, it's there I'm made strong. And it almost seems like a contradiction, but that's the renewed mind talking that... Yeah, I understand human weakness probably as good as anyone. But I also understand what it feels like and what, it's, what the senses are when you touch the raw power of God. So much beyond humanity, but yet coupled with humanity. Uh, this word anointing, it talks about a soothing healing property that comes on man. But it can't be disconnected from power. I always smile when I hear some people teach because it's, they use the word in the Greek, dunamis, or dunamis, whichever one you want to call it. And some people say now, it's that that word comes from the word dynamite. Uh-uh. The word dynamite comes from that word. <laughs> And there's a difference. <laughs> we need to understand that this dunamis is something that is smeared on by another. It's applied. Now look at Isaiah chapter 10 verse 26. This is so important. Before I work with this verse, I just want you to take a moment and become aware of something beyond the normal that's in the atmosphere here. It's... I, I don't I hesitate to describe what you might be feeling because then some of you will, will get into your unrenewed mind and you'll try to feel that and you'll go away and say, no, I don't feel it. But here's, let's just say this. You sense something that you can't quite explain. There's just a difference in this atmosphere and the atmosphere in high V. And... That's kind of what we're talking about when, when we're talking about the anointing is that Father, there's a, there's a substance of God that is rubbed on us by the hand of God. And this substance, it accomplishes something that modern science has been trying to accomplish for a long time and that's to create a substance that, not, that can be applied topically that will literally just permeate inside and they've had some success but not the success that God has. When God puts the anointing on you, it permeates your being. Something begins to come alive, more alive than it ever was all over you, all inside you. Now, those, those of you in the natural mind that are very scientific will say, well, that's impossible. Yes, it is impossible to the natural mind, but with my mind that's being renewed day by day, not only is it possible, but it has been brought from the spiritual into the natural, and right now, I feel it. <laughs> Now, the Lord of hosts, and this is talking about the enemy down here, will arouse a scourge against him like the slaughter of Midian, the rock of Oreb, and his staff will be over the sea. What is this? That's the wrong verse. 
<laughs> wow. Okay, I'll tell you what it says. It says the whole of the enemy will be destroyed because of fatness. And that fatness is the same word as used as the anointing. That the yoke, that thing that the enemy uses to tie you to your addiction, that thing that the enemy uses to tie you to your lifestyle that you know it's not of God. But you just keep doing it and say, well, he'll forgive me. Well, maybe he will. We'll see. I'm not willing to take that chance. You can if you want to. That thing. That yoke. That, that thing that the enemy uses to tie you to a burden that's not easy in light. To worry. To fear. It says that that yoke will be destroyed because of fatness. Because of the anointing. At this thing that permeates you, this thing that so permeates you that, that you can see it in the eye of your renewed mind as you lay hands on, on someone. You see that begin to vibrate and you see it. You'll be able to put it on them. And that word destroyed is the same word that is used by the people who work on aircraft in, in those countries that spoke this language. And that is uh, decay, erosion. And it gives a picture to those that work there that there is an erosion in that part of the country that gets into metal. And it looks normal for a long time. And then one day a wind hits it and it just blows away. What they have to do is they have to go around with a screwdriver and they have to poke those particular metal objects that's made out of this kind of metal. And if the screwdriver goes through them, then they change them. But if they don't physically check those, there will come a time when the very wind that lifts that aircraft will blow that away and cause it to crash. The yoke that is upon you, when you begin to respond to the anointing, that, that holy substance that God himself applies, when you begin to respond to that, it's not to focus on that thing that you're trying to get rid of. It's to focus on God and to realize that there will come a time when there will be a wind of the Spirit come by and destroy it. It's gone. That can apply to sickness, disease, even, even salvation. You can work on somebody and work on somebody and work on somebody trying to get them to see salvation. And one day the wind of the Spirit comes by and just blows a little bit and all of a sudden they're weeping and say, oh man, I need to get saved. You've been trying to convince them of that for years. But God came by and just convinced them. Seems like, but he'd been working on it for a long time. You see, when you talk about anointing, you're talking about something that is smeared all over you to the point where if you touch me, you're going to get some of it on you. I promise you. I promise you. That might feel good, but it might not. Years ago, <clears throat> they were <clears throat> digging up a, an old temple site over in Israel, and they come up on a bottle that actually had been stored airtight with some kind of wax stopper and it was a bottle of anointing oil the original stuff that they used in the temple and I said like this I don't know how big it was it might have been this big but I don't know but what the point is they said that it was like a very thick honey when you put it on your hands you could hardly get it off it's like in other words it's something that was actually applied when they anointed somebody in those days, they didn't rub the little thing on the head and touch you on the forehead. They turned her up and began to pour, and it poured, 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 until it was dripping off of them. And that's the way God uses His anointing, His empowerment, is He pours, and 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 it pours right through you. And anybody that touches you is going to get touched by the power, that supernatural power of a human that's been touched by the power of God. And you begin to operate like that when you become aware of it, but it works by faith. You've got, you got to hear the voice of God saying, I'm doing this. And then when you hear Him say it, you work with Him. And the next thing you know, you're in the process that begins to touch people around you. 
This was never given for huge ministries. It was given for you to touch your world. Yeah, huge ministries can use it. That's up to them. I I have no quarrel with that. I'm not against huge ministries. I don't want you to think that. But what I am for 1,000% is people just like you realizing that God wants to put something on you to make you effective. And as long as you keep choosing to walk in your name rather than in His name, you can't use this. It might be on you, but you can't use it because it's in His name. It's in His character. It's in His, it's in His form. It's in the way He lives and the way He works. That's why it's important what you do and how you act. Yeah, you might eventually go to heaven acting like you are. I don't know. That's up to between you and God. But I'll tell you what, until you start to act like Him, you're never going to be able to release the power on this earth. But other people can, and they can help you. (laughs) It's the essence of God Himself that begins to exude from your being. My, my, my. I've seen this demonstrated. Polly, would you come up here? I've the microphone. I've I've seen this demonstrated in Polly, and I haven't even talked to her about me saying this, but I'm pretty sure she'll be okay with it. But God touched her with healing not too long back. And since that time Every time that we ask her to pray for somebody or every time we start to pray for healing and see her moving around and there's something that's exuding from her because God put it on her. She's going to share it with you a little bit this morning. My healing sorry, did not come instantaneously but through a process of obedience. Um, I don't know how many of you have had migraine headaches but they are awful. They are debilitating. They take life away from you. They rob you. I don't get them very often. I'm very thankful for that. But when I do get them, they usually take me out for about a day and a half to two days. It was a Friday morning, um, and I was scheduled to work that night. Uh, Most of you know I work at the hospital. And um, it was about 7.30 in the morning, and I thought, oh, no. I think I'm getting a migraine headache. And normally when you get sick, because that's basically what it does to you, it makes you very sick, um, you call into work, you don't go, you take care of yourself, you, you rest, um, self-care, it's important. But this day, I sent Caleb a text, I said, Caleb, I think I'm getting a migraine, could you pray for me? Normally I would get a response like, okay. But this day he sent me a prayer, he actually wrote out a prayer and it blessed me. Thank you. <laughs> and um, I felt very strongly impressed by the Spirit that I was not to do the things that I would normally do. I can't take very many medications. I'm very sensitive to medications. And most doctors, when they hear what kind of reactions I've had, won't touch me and don't want to try anything with me. So my routine is very simple. I take an anti-inflammatory medication. I put some ice on the back of my neck. I cover myself up with a big thick blanket and I go to bed. But this day, that was not what I was supposed to do. And I thought, well, this is crazy because I knew what was coming. I knew the pain was coming and I knew the nausea was coming and um, the sensitivity to light, the sensitivity to sound. Um, just a generalized sensitivity. When I have a headache like that, I can't even bend over. But this day I went on with my routine, and I did. The, the headache came, and the, the pain was bad, and then the nausea came. Bad. But I pushed through, and my routine is that I go to bed about 10 o'clock um, when it's my first day on work. Um, so I thought, well, I'm just going to continue, and I'm going to do that. About 9.30, I'm thinking, you know, I just feel awful. What do I do? So I had a piece of toast, which is hilarious because I don't eat when I'm sick like that. But I had a piece of toast, and I went ahead, and I went to bed. I woke up. I got ready for work. That's great. I, I just knew that God had something for me that night. I just knew it. Um, and so that's why I pushed. That's why I pushed through. Um, I went to work, and I got there, and I found that there was a 
there was a family there that their situation was not good. Um, it's not the kind people jump to take care of because it it takes a lot out of you um, as you work with these people. But I said, me, I want that one. Give me that one. That's for me. And I walked a path with that family that night that no family should ever have to go through. And it was, it was tough. But God was there and I had peace. Didn't even think about my headache. I mean, I was busy. I was in the moment. I was focused on what I was there to do. Later on that night, we had a phone call. We had an emergency coming in, a life and death emergency coming in. And we didn't know what was, um, what was going to happen. I remember looking at one of my coworkers and saying, I can't do another one tonight. I can't do this again. But you know, it stopped there. We kind of divvied up the responsibilities so that we could be ready when they got there. And um, my coworker, has, she'd had a rough fall with several things that had affected her negatively. And so I told her, you get ready to receive this patient. I'll go down to the emergency room to receive them. So I went down to receive them. When we got, I, I had a piece. I have to say I had a piece. And it was amazing because this was a very scary situation. And we got the patient. She got there. We got her upstairs. We took her to the operating room. Um, and, I mean, believe me when I say this is life and death. This was the life and death situation. We didn't know if we were going to have a baby that was alive that night. I got into a position, um, my role um, in, in that operating room that night, where I had to, um, they had to prep the patient around me. Um, and I literally had to get underneath the sterile drape that night. Um, and I will say, remember, I can't, look, can't bend down when I have a migraine. I had to bow low and get underneath that drape, and it wasn't a big deal. But you know what? I was still in the moment. I was so focused on my job, and I wasn't really thinking about it. And it was a very strange feeling because I was alone, except I wasn't. There was lots of activity around me, but I was alone. And, of course, I said a little prayer, and I'm thinking to myself, well, look at me. I'm bending down, and I don't feel like the top of my head's going to explode off. This is kind of cool. Anyway. When my role was done, the doctor told me to move, and I moved, and the baby was born, and it screamed and yelled, and it sounded beautiful and perfect, and that room erupted in cheers. People were excited. People were happy. Um, we had a doctor shout, praise God. I know I've mentioned that before um, here. So anyway, later, later on that night, I left the room, and um, they finished the surgery, and I went outside to prepare another room to receive this patient of mine and my coworker has a look on her face. I said, what's going on? She says, I need to cry. This is too much. So I took her into a room where people couldn't see her, and I just told her and let her cry. But the, the point is, um, later on that day, I'm kind of slow. I was, of course, I think it was because I was busy, and I was focused on the job at hand. But the next morning, I went home, and I went to bed, and I got up. And normally, when I have a migraine headache, the next day, I have a, it's almost like a sensation that someone has taken a butter knife to my brain and just scraped it over and over and over again. It's the only thing I can think of to describe it. It's miserable. I can't open my eyes very wide. My, Caleb and the kids will tell you, um, even the day after, I'm saying, you know, be quiet, keep it down. Um, and my eyes are kind of squinty. Um, so I actually brought a picture. This is, this is kind of funny because the week, uh, that week, a little bit earlier, I was told I, they, needed a, um, they needed a picture of me because they were going to make a bulletin board about me. Um, and so that day I, I had, took some pictures and I gave them to the lady that does that, and she picked this picture. And for a month after this happened, I'm seeing my picture every time I walk by. And the thing that I notice is my eyes. This is taken that day where I should have been squinty and telling the kids to be quiet. And so I'm going to show you this. I couldn't get it on the overhead. I'm sorry. Those are not the eyes of a person with a migraine. And that just blew my mind every time I'd see that picture. Now, granted, by the end of the month, I was ready to not see myself anymore. But those are not the eyes of a sick person. And I am just so grateful that night... God had me there for a reason, and it wasn't just me. I was there. I was part of a team. But God needed me there. And, um, and so in obedience, not doing the things that my flesh was dying to do, um, he was able to use me. 
And it was that afternoon I realized, my goodness, I was healed. It, it was complete and it was real. Oh, one more thing. When we were, <laughs> when we were in that surgery, um, I was under that drape. No one could see me. At one point, someone said, where's Polly? And I'm like, here. Um, but the doctor hit me in the head with his elbow. Anybody had a migraine? That is no, that's not cool. But you know what? It didn't faze me because God had already completed my healing, whether I was aware of it in that moment or not. So that's all I've got. Thank you. In just a couple more minutes here, we're going to do some things with uh, people standing in for other people, and I want Polly to do that. Um, I just want you to notice a couple of things that Polly said. First of all, it wasn't her faith. Caleb sent her a prayer of faith because he understood. I didn't ask him about this, but he must have understood in God, if nothing else, that I need to pray for my wife right now because she's really not able. There's many times that I pray for Chelsea when I realize I need to use my faith, my connection. And guys, let me tell you something. There's, it does something to your wife when you just take her in your arms and hold her and release the power of God consciously. It does something. You don't believe it? Ask Chelsea. She'll talk to you about it. I don't need to say a lot because when I touch her, I'm anointed. My renewed mind understands that. So... I want to pray for two people in specific this morning, and then, uh, like I said, next week, we'll, if everything works out where we can, we'll be having Betty and, and Ellen share testimonies, and we'll be praying for anybody at that, that time. But I feel like I have direction from God this morning. I, wanna, <clears throat> I want to pray for Courtney Phelan. I know Betty knows her out in Arizona. I don't know how many of you noticed that we have her on the church page a lot, just asking for prayer. This is a 30-year-old girl. To me, that's still a girl. And just all of a sudden, she had things come on her that has just almost destroyed her health. But she's holding strong. And I told Courtney, I said, I want you to know that about 10.30 your time, and that's about right now, we're going to be laying hands on somebody else, but we're going to be praying for you. And I want to do that. And Polly, if you would stand in for her. And Todd, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to stand in for Bill. Would you mind doing that? Would you come on up? And, let's have, and here, here's the way I want to work this. I believe this is scriptural. And not because I can see it in Scripture, but there's a lot of the story that it just hangs there. And, you know, it makes sense to me that um, if Paul could send, the, you know, Paul was a tent maker and had this thing that he wiped sweat with. And obviously he sent that sweat rag with people. They say, oh, I can't go right now, I'm making tent. Here, take this. And they would put it on people and they'd be healed. How does that work? I don't know. But I've, as I've studied the Spirit and as I've studied Scripture, I realize there is no geography in the, in the realm of the Spirit. I could tell you a lot of facts concerning that, but we don't have time for that. But I believe that we can lay hands on Todd, and lay hands on Polly, and that Bill and Karen will be touched in their home where they can't really get out and around right now. And that in Tucson, Arizona, Courtney Phelan will be touched. Why? Because his body begins to touch and they begin to receive, hear me now, receive, contain, and then transmit the power of God. That's what we were born for, folks. We receive, contain, and let it work our process, and then transmit, radiate. His power to other people. That should be your life. And somehow the American church has got that all askew. But when these two come up and we begin to pray for them, if you can believe like that, I want you to come up and help us pray. 
But know that when you come up here, you're committing that we're going to pray through this process. We're engaging right here, but we're going to pray through this process. I've been amazed as I've interacted with Karen uh, concerning Bill's condition. And no, we haven't seen the ultimate healing yet. But what, I, what we have seen is day by day, as we would agree together and take authority over, the, over the, uh, just the frustration that comes with being very sick and, and not being able to do things, as we would take authority that there would be a level of peace come in that house that wasn't there before. And I've been amazed as we've watched it. And so when you come and you begin to pray for these, understand that you're making a commitment that we won't just pray this morning. But when we leave here, we're going to... This is what the old folks used to call praying through. It's not what we've thought it, we've come to make it. But what they meant is they would lay hold of something and they would just pray until that thing was through. And that's, that's what we want to do is just pray until we get word that God has done the work completely. So... If we do that, I would also challenge you on another level where Polly's concerned. If you've been struggling with migraines, come on up here and pray for Courtney along with Polly and then let her know so she can lay hands on you and pray and release the power of God to break the hold of migraines in your, in your body. Can we do that? Todd, come on up. Polly, come on up. And just let's just gather in around. Would you call Terry up for Carol? Yes, that's a good idea. Terry, would you mind coming up and stand in for Karen? Because Karen carrying a load in this. Good idea. And yes, Bill and Karen do know that we're doing this. We, they knew we were going to do it last week. <laughs> so I want to pray for you first, Todd. I, what you're going to feel, you're going to sense the presence of God, but it's going to bring peace to you as well as to them, Todd. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, I speak peace to troubled waters right now. I speak peace and release your peace right now. Lord, peace that goes beyond all the understanding that this family has of what's going on, but that somehow the peace of God that goes beyond that understanding will rule in their heart by faith. And God, we release this presence in Bill and Karen's house. That God, that not just that the peace of God will touch Bill for a few minutes and then lift, but that God, there will be a, just a supernatural peace begin to invade him. And God, help this people as we raise up, as we get out of bed every morning, that we remember to release the peace of God and to pray for Bill and Karen and, and to let the joy of the Lord just be released through us. God, help Terry to, to realize as she awakens that she has authority because she was willing to stand in, that she has authority, that Todd has authority. And God, that we take authority over all of those things that would try to agitate, those things that would try to control, and just release the peace of God. Lord, I feel that coming over me just like a blanket, the peace of Almighty God. And God, we also declare healing in the name of Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing in Bill's body. God, you witnessed to Bill early on that, that he should go through this process and he is doing it in obedience. And God, we praise you for the testimony that will come forth from this. And God, we know that sometimes the process is difficult. But God, the end is glory. <laughs> the end is glory, God. Halabakasatai. <laughs> God, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Now let your peace reign in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name. Now God, as Polly stands in for Courtney, oh God, oh God. Lord, this young lady has really tried to stand and done a fair job. But God, help her to realize that this day she's got a group of people that are standing with her, not just this morning, but every day. And God, once again, we take authority over that thing that has tried to destroy her and command it to totally loose its hold yes. in Jesus' name. Totally loose its hold in Jesus' name. 
God lets your peace and your joy just invade Courtney's life right now. God let your strength come right now. And we worship you and praise you. God, as Polly prays for these that have been having struggle with migraines, <laughs> help her to see herself releasing the same thing that was released in and on her. And help her to be able to see that she's taking authority in your realm. And the Lord not trying to win any battles, just taking what you've already offered. Thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you for it, Jesus. Anyone that wants Polly to pray for them, please just step up here and let her do that. I've seen this work out so many times where someone would be healed of something. And it does something to the, for, the, for them on the inside. And they would be able then with more authority to pray for healing. You know, folks, we live in this world that is fallen. It, it, it just is. So we live with the process of God in many ways. And then we live with the instantaneous miraculous of God on another level. And we want to make room for both. And for you not to, you not to think, here, here's one of the problems, especially when you're praying for people's deliverance is they don't feel any different. I heard Bob Hamp yesterday give an illustration I really liked, he, that if you've ever had a thorn or a big splinter in your hand, and you extract it, for some time it still feels like you've got a thorn or a splinter in your hand. But the problem is gone. Too many times... We keep coming back and asking God for the same thing. God, I need you to deliver me. And he's standing there saying, I did. Just go through the process now. Just walk with me now. I did. Go and sin no more. I did. And that applies to healing as well. I'm telling you, when you are prayed for for healing and you sense his presence, that's the Holy Spirit saying, come on, let's get some stuff done now. And you and him walk together and you come out healed. But not only healed, but totally changed. But too often, because we live in a microwave world, we think that 30 seconds didn't work, so we'll reset the dial. Would you pray for me for healing? And God said, I healed you. Now bring it from my realm into yours. And folks, here's the reality of it. With his stripes, we were healed just to be brought forth just to be brought forth God bless you if you have sick folk bring them, son, bring them next Sunday we're just going to pray for everybody that wants to be prayed for next Sunday might take a while take a deep seat because that's what's going to happen and one thing I've found out in these kind of services you don't want to close your eyes and pray watch and pray because sometimes you see some stuff and it's, off, it's very interesting I, I've seen some stuff that just boggles my mind still one thing that comes to mind, and it was pretty amazing. We were at a service, and I, I probably said told this before because it still just boggles my mind. But we prayed for a woman with a rare blood disease, and all of a sudden she just got a panicked look on her face and ran toward the back where the bathrooms were. And a couple of the nurses went back with her, and they gave witness that she lost what looked to be an entire body's worth of blood. In, in the stool. But she was fine. And they went back to the doctor and couldn't find any hint of the blood disease. How does that work? It has to be God. Now, it certainly wasn't my faith. It's just that we took a chance and asked him. <laughs> and he done something. And I could give you story after story like that that happened with me and happened with other people. Some of the, one of the most, the thing that puzzles me the most still is Leslie's mom, Diana, uh, my first wife that died a few years back, watched her roll her wheelchair up and down a prayer line and pray for people with debilitating arthritis and watch them get healed on the spot. Yet she died with the disease. 
we live in a fallen world. We have the process and we have the instantaneous miraculous and we've got to give him room for both. And I'm, I, I, I can't come to him and say, I'm going to tell you which one this is going to be. Yeah. If it's a process, okay, we'll go through the process. If it's instantaneous, hallelujah, we're going to have a hallelujah breakdown on that one. But folks, we serve a big God. And there's nothing impossible to him. I don't care what your problem is. There's spare parts out there under that snow. Because he made us from the dust of the earth. God bless you. Thank you for coming.